Welcome to The Beat Society, where I indulge in conversation with folk from all walks of life in the artistic world to find out what puts the beat in their society. Over the course of the series, I'll be chatting to a range of people in different creative industries who will be sharing their personal stories and work. So sit back, get comfy and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Beat Society. Today we're talking gardening and the great outdoors. My guest is gardener designer and TV presenter Danny Clark, who you may know from the BBC One series The Instant Gardener. We'll be chatting all about his wonderful gardening work, including some very exciting new projects that he has in store. I grew up in a small block of flats, slap bang in the middle of the West End in London, and as a young kid, me and my sister would often head to our local parks, such as Regent's Park and St James's Park in particular, to run around on the grass, swing on swings, and just to be carefree kids. I must have been around four or five at the time when I learnt how to ride a bike. I remember it so well, a pink and white bike with tassels hanging off the handlebars and a little wicker basket at the front of it. I learnt to ride my bike in Soho Square, which was just a few metres away from our front door, so it was a little bit of a convenient outdoor space, which I could whiz around on my bike. It's surprising how much green space there actually is in central London. Amongst the tall buildings, shops, pubs, restaurants, you'll find that lovely piece of green gem. I mentioned two big parks already, but we also had Hyde Park, which I loved, and of course the little square gardens, such as Soho, Golden and Cavendish Squares as well. Living in a block of flats, we didn't have a place where you could be led neatly out into a garden, but instead we had the coolest rooftop garden. We lived on the first floor and with no lift, so after running up eight flights of stairs we were truly knackered, but once we were up there we could see the rooftops of central London, chimneys, BT Tower, the clouds, and I'd often stand there watching the sunset. It was truly another world way up in the sky. We'd often hang off the railings and look at the world below us. The people were all rushing by, the dustbin men collecting the rubbish. We'd often see film crews, celebrities, all sorts. It was loud and hectic, but on the roof garden it was calm and peaceful, and the world suddenly seemed to slow down. The roof was paved and mainly decorated with tubs and pots, all sorts of colours and sizes. Inside were filled with different plants and herbs. It was a community and everybody did their bit to make the wonderful outdoor space unique, warm and inviting. Inside our home, my mum often had flowers and indoor house plants. It was bright and colourful and she often brought a sense of the outdoors in. The smell of flowers drifted through our home. Many years on, I now live in the Chiltern Hills, a place of vast green space, fields, rolling hills, an area of outstanding beauty, a far cry from where I used to live. It's fascinating to watch the season change in a surrounding area such as this. I love spring and watching everything come back to life, trees blossoming, the tulips and the daffodils making their return, the natural colours and beauty you see every day and just walk into local places and the golden leaves scattered on the ground in the autumnal months. I suddenly find being outdoors somehow takes me back to clinging onto those rails on the rooftop again. That level of calm is back, and it makes me smile. Gardening can be achieved in any outdoor setting, really. Maybe within a small courtyard, 
a patch of land, an allotment, a community garden, but a place where you can really sit and enjoy and share it with others. Joining me now is a garden designer and TV presenter. Originally started his career in sales, believe it or not, before landing a little gardening job before things really took off. He decided to change his name to The Black Gardener and it was here where things started to change for him. He was spotted by a television production company who was looking for a new presenter to front their brand new gardening series, which later became known as The Instant Gardener on the BBC. He since then had further success presenting at the Chelsea Flower Show and other TV appearances such as ITV's This Morning, Celebrity Mastermind, Eggheads and more. And he more recently has been commissioned to design a COVID memorial garden for Gloucester Royal Hospital, where once completed, will be opened by Prince Charles. Not bad at all. And with many more exciting projects to come, I'm excited to welcome my guest today. Please welcome Danny Clark. Hi Danny, welcome to the Beat Society. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Tickety-boo, as they say. Tickety-boo. Tickety-boo, I like that. <laughs> Um, now, you're the first sort of um, culture culturalist uh, slash gardener that I've had on this podcast, which is another great creative, um, you know, um, creative profession, if you like. Um, and I wanted to ask you about, you know, about your work. Was it something, was gardening something that you were interested in as a youngster? Or how did you discover, you know, your passion for that? How did you get into the world of right, gardening? So I wouldn't say gardening was a passion of mine from a youngster. Mm. Um, I think uh, the passion grew from just being outside, close to nature. Because yeah. I was an outdoorsy sort of kid, you know, I was always playing about with a football, cricket ball or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember the smell of freshly cut grass, for example. Love it. Um, yeah. You know, and um, I remember my parents would throw me out into the garden with a pair of old rusty shears and say, go and tidy it up. I mean, I know I hated it at the time because it was a chore. Mm. But um, later in life, when I had my own um, property and I had to tidy the garden, mm. it evoked memories. So I'd smell a rose and, uh -huh. you know, it take me back to my childhood. Yeah. Um, I remember my dad saying, go outside and look for a four-leaf clover. And I'm still looking for it now. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. But that's lovely. So it obviously took you back to that time of, you know, growing up, the smell yeah. of the flowers, perhaps, and just those lovely memories. Those lovely memories, yeah. Um, and um, like I say, when I had my own piece of, um, when I had my own property, it kind of um, just you may, made me remember certain things, you know, mm -hmm. so it would t a smell of a rose would take me back to mm -hmm. when I smelled a rose when I was a child. Yeah. But then it would lead on to other memories. Do you just mean friends, mm. um, things that I did, etc. Yeah. So um, then um, from that, I fast forward many years, uh, get got my own property, and then from getting my own property, I actually I was in sales at the time. Um, I was selling vending machines, um, oh. which initially I had a business partner. Initially, we had some sort of success. It went very well. But then in the early 90s, where the negative equity situation mm. um, with, you know, the, um, the recession, the negative equity situation, yeah. and um, we were selling our equipment. 
Um, and so we weren't as successful as we hoped to be. Yeah. Uh, but I got this random phone call from a lady who was looking for a gardener. Um, she'd heard that I was interested in gardening, although I didn't really know a plant from a weed. Oh, and because uh, all I would do is just tidy up my space, really, just cut the grass, trim the edges and just do a little bit of weeding, a little bit of trimming. And I, it was all instinctive. But she heard that I was interested in gardening and she wondered if I'd come and work for her one day a week. Now, she was just the most amazing lady, Jo Bryant. I mean, I never forget her. Hmm. Um, what she didn't know about plants or gardening, put on the back of a postage stamp. <laughs> and um, she had one of these larger than life personalities too so she kind of influenced the way I thought mm. so for example if I arrived one day to do the garden mm. I mean she always greeted me with a big smile and Danny how are you today you know oh. <laughs> she's one of those always very cheerful always very upbeat although she had health issues I mean that's the reason I went to work for her uh, because she couldn't handle the uh, all the garden I mean she had um, two acres of land, you know, wow. woodland and garden, which was absolutely pristine. She wore these all year round tans because um, <laughs> she was always in the garden. I mean, the house was falling down, but the garden was great. But she was greeted me with this big, booming welcome. And she could see by the look of my face, because it's pouring down with rain and windy and cold, that all I wanted her to say was, don't worry, Danny, about working today. Come back tomorrow when the sun is shining, it's nice and warm. Yeah. But she would say something like, what a dramatic day. Isn't the sky a lovely grey colour? Doesn't the wind feel wonderful on your face? So she kind of turned it around. And what she was telling me, there's a beauty in everything if you, if you wish to seek it. Mm. And um, she, I would think to myself, do you know what? She's absolutely right. And then, you know, before very long, I would forget about the weather. Um, you know, how in inverted commas bad it was, because it wasn't bad. It's just a different kind of day, isn't it, when it's windy and rainy? Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be, uh, if the sun is shining, it is a beautiful day, but it's also a beautiful day if it's grey. Mm. So we should never make that differentiation. Whatever day that is thrown at us by this glorious, by the glorious seasons or the glorious days, mm. we should appreciate them. Because, you know, if we, if we think that, only when the sun shines, is it beautiful? Then we're not going to have many beautiful days, are we? Especially in this country. Yeah, I was going to say over here, no, that yeah, it'll be many more miserable days than there are lovely days. But absolutely. yeah, it's interesting. And it's all mindset. It's all mindset, really. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, another thing she would do, for example, she would teach me to look at the small things because a lot of we tend to miss those. Mm. So I'd be over one side of the garden and. I don't know, doing a bit of weeding, she'd be over the other side trimming a hedge or something. Mm. And she'd call out to me and say, Danny, Danny, come and look at this. And she'd want to show me a spider's web. And mm. she'd say, look, look at the way the spiders created this. Isn't it wonderful? Look at the way the dew's glistening on the web. Mm. Look at the way the sunlight's catching it. You know, that kind of thing. Or there might be a little flower that is self-seeded in the cracks of her pavement. Come and look at this. Isn't it wonderful? Look at the colour of it. You know, and because yeah. we're so busy looking at the bigger things that we tend to miss the beauty in the small things. So she kind of um, influenced me very positively in that way. It was fantastic. I worked for her for about three years um, oh, wow. until she sadly passed away. Oh. Um, but in that time, people approached me and asked me if I'd do their gardens. And although I was still in sales at the time, mm. running my own business, 
Mm. I came to a crossroads. What, which way do I want to go? Do I want to carry on in sales or do I want to be a gardener? And it was a no-brainer. So, Wow. So just from that one phone call where she obviously heard about yeah. you being interested in obviously the outdoors yeah, and a bit of gardening exactly. here and there, it kind of led you to, to you know, to yeah. actually maybe what your passion was and something yeah, that you yeah. were actually interested she, in. She kind of reignited my passion in the outdoors, really. Oh, and wow. um, you know and it's the only place I really enjoy being I mean even when I'm in you know if I'm indoors for too long I find myself pacing I want to get outside <laughs> you know even if I'm just a little walk or yeah. just going down the shops uh, just maybe being sitting outside on the bed. at one with nature just, yeah yeah it's just such a wonderful place to be and it's just so calming as well mm. well that's um, the other thing I was going to say is you know they're saying now that I, I think it you know before you know uh, this was even a thing but you know gardening is such a for many people quite a peaceful thing quite a calmful thing it's quite relaxing you know if, especially if you're you know you may suffer with things such as maybe anxiety mm. depression that sort of thing being outside in the fresh air getting involved with the with the earth with the ground mm. you know you know planting something watching it grow can give you that sort of that sort of calmness within you yeah it does um, yeah. would you agree with that i would definitely agree with that i think one of the reasons it gives you that calmness i mean if you're doing a particular task in the garden for example you're weeding yeah you're just thinking about that you're not thinking about everything else no you know if you're digging a hole you're thinking about digging a hole plus you yeah. get an exercise which releases endorphins into yeah. your body yeah you yeah, know absolutely. so it just great on every level Mm. um nature being close to nature i mean i've had some fantastic experiences in gardens yeah because i mean if you stay still long enough nature will find you and mm. um i'll tell you about what happened to me once i was in a garden weeding so i must have been quite still because i was weeding on my knees <clears throat> and suddenly i heard this crashing through the trees <clears throat> and i looked to my right and there was a sparrowhawk it could only have been about seven eight meters away from me oh. and it hadn't seen me and it was on the ground with a bird a live bird between its talons mm. and it was looking around all regally you know really pleased with what it caught and it must have just sat there for about a minute and i was completely motionless because i didn't want to disturb it no. it eventually flew off with the live bird but i felt so privileged to have witnessed that you know, at close quarters. So it's obviously hovering above me mm. um, while I was doing my little bit of um, groundwork. And it spotted its prey and swooped and taken it and landed beside me. You know, so it's moments like that that uh, yeah. you never forget. I mean, it's a real kind of soap opera. It definitely beats watching Coronation Street or EastEnders. That's oh, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. To be outside and, you know, like I said, be one with nature and just be part of it, take it all in. And, yeah, you yeah. have those little moments like that that you can't, you, you know. You have those little moments. Or like the robin that flew on me a couple of times, you know, oh, momentarily on my shoulder, then flew off again. Oh, really? You know, it's those things. It gives you that connection. I mean, my belief is that we're all connected, you know, mm. um, human beings, animals, plants. I mean, we share 40% of our DNA with plants. Mm. So make sure, so it, to me, it makes sense that we all came from the same speck of dust. We, we just evolved in different ways Yeah. Um, yeah. for survival. Yeah, um, of course. So we, 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 everybody, we're all related to each other, whether we're a plant, animal or human being. 
Yeah, that's amazing. The lady that you worked for, uh, that you just mentioned a bit earlier on there, your first job, um, what was her garden like? Was she a keen gardener then? And oh, obviously it got to the point amazing. where she could do it. Yeah, it's an amazing garden. It was. Yeah, and did she teach you a lot about, you know, gardening, the different plants and flowers yeah, and did. things like that? What she did know about gardening, you could put on the back of a postage stamp. Oh. She, I mean, I just got really lucky with her. Hmm. Um, my only regret is that I didn't listen to her more, really, after because she passed away. I, I only knew her for three years uh, yeah. before she passed away. So, I you know, I sort of, for a while after, I was kicking myself that I didn't listen to her more. I kind of mm. took her, her knowledge for granted, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Didn't ask her enough questions. Mm. But um, she was, um, she provided a good grounding for me, if you excuse the pun. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was, she was great. And um, things just led on from there. But I really have always had an interest in design, whether it's um, fashion or architecture. Um, right. And so I wanted to be a garden designer. Right. So okay. although I was maintaining gardens at the moment, that kind of gave me the basic knowledge. Mm. Um, but I decided to go to college and do a year's course in garden design, which then gave me the confidence then to do that. So oh, for a while right. I was maintaining gardens as well yeah. as designing them until I got into TV. And then um, because TV is a great way of advertising, yeah. I now concentrate on designing and building gardens, which is my real passion. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So obviously you're this gardener, you, you know, you're working for people, helping them with their gardens. You've gone on this course, you know, to, to learn about design mm. and landscaping, all that sort of stuff. How did you make the leap then from that into the TV world? Because many of us will probably know you um, from the BBC One series, The Instant Gardener. How did yeah. that come about? And how well, did you find really, presenting? Because that's, yeah, that's quite a hard job. It's really interesting because I, I didn't go looking for it, it found me. Mm. So um, for years I've been trading under the name Brant and Susie Garden Design. Right. Which, but, and, but people have all said to me, look, you, you've got to, it's all about being online and having a social media presence. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a technophobe, so all that stuff kind of frightened me at the time. And I delayed it and delayed it. Mm. I did have a website, but it wasn't working for me. Mm. And um, so I went on a course, um, a government funded thing um, near to where I used to live. And um, what they do is they look at your social media presence and suggest ways to improve it. Oh, and okay. Guy, when it was my turn, a guy came to me and he said, um, so what's so memorable about the name Branton and Susie Garden Design? I said, well, nothing really, I guess. But I said to him, I had this idea and I don't know whether I'm gonna go with it or not. He said, what's that? He said, um, I thought I might call myself the Black Gardener. Mm. And he fell off, he nearly fell off his feet. He just, <laughs> really? yeah, there was a moment to silence and he went, that is fantastic. He said, if you get nothing out of this course today, you must change your name to the Black Gardener. He said, it's memorable. Yeah. There's a serious message behind it, if you want to find it, in that there aren't many Black professional gardeners mm. for some reason. And mm. um, it's, um, it's tongue in cheek. So that's what I did. Yeah. I called myself the Black Gardener. And that's when everything changed because I had it on the back, I had the name on the back of my car. People stopped me in traffic and two and thumbs up, great message, that kind of thing, wow. which is good. I did have a little bit of negativity as well. People say, oh, 
you can't call yourself the black gardener. And I'd say, why is that? He says, well, they'd say that's racist. I say, well, why is it racist? I am black and I'm a gardener. So it's right for me to call myself the green gardener then, that's fine, which is a lie, yeah. that kind of thing. And then they say, yeah, all right, then we see your point, that kind of thing. Mm. So it promoted discussion, which was great. But then what happened is I just got this email from a company called, a production company called 12 Yard. Mm. Um, this was three months after I changed the name to from 12 Yard Productions, who are part of ITV. Yeah. Basically, it was just a few lines on... ITV noted head paper, I think it was always the BBC, I can't remember, saying, um, would you be into, we're looking for new talent, would you be interested in doing a screen test? And I actually thought it was a wind up. I, I yeah. thought, you know, this is someone trying to scam me from up for money. So yeah. my sister, Jenny, who is an agent, looked into it for me. And it turned out that it was genuine. Yeah. And they were looking for a black gardener to present a new tv series ah. and someone in development was thinking well black gardeners as rare as hen's teeth how do i find one i know what i'll do i'll google black gardeners yeah. and my website came up amazing and, that, and that's how it happened so it's pure chance that's incredible and yeah yeah and um i tell you what I did the um, screen test, which they liked. Then they asked if I'd do a um, oh, something else, um, another test. I can't remember what it's called now. Mm -hmm. And um, I did ask if I'd do that, and they said we'll let you know. And then they called me a few days later to say, "Yeah, you're in. We we want you to do it." And it, and from. The day that, um, in fact, the word I'm looking for is pilot. They asked me to do a pilot. Yeah. And um, I agreed to that. But then what they did is they phoned me and said, forget the pilot, let's go straight to series. And um, then from them sending them email to every, we filmed 10 episodes. Mm. So it being put on the TV was within a period of about 12 weeks. It was that quick. That is So my feet didn't touch the ground. No. And then we got recommissioned for another 15 episodes. Amazing. So that is literally just from the, the you know, the idea of that you need to change your name to make it yeah. more, you know, stand out, bit more eye-catching, memorable, yeah. that sort of thing. All about so actually just team. someone Googling it going, actually, we found the guy that we've, we, 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 were, yeah. we were hoping to find. It, Exactly. It was the, they call it USP, don't they? Unique mm -hmm. selling point. Yeah. So the, the black, the name is my unique selling point. Yeah. I, I actually got the name from a guy who calls himself the black guy, uh, black farmer, sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he calls himself the black farmer. And he's down in the West Country somewhere. And the reason he calls himself that is because he's the only black gardener in the country, or he was at the time. Oh, black really? Yeah. He, oh. yeah, yeah. And he was yeah. at the time. So... I thought myself, and, it, and I thought myself, well, if he can call himself the black farmer, why don't I call himself the black gardener? Black and it gardener. worked. Yeah, yeah. that's so incredible. We got the black farmer and we got the black gardener. Mm, that's amazing. Just through a name, eh? And then there you go. There you, you know, you end up with all these different opportunities and, and you know, exactly. a chance and to be able to, you know, explore that field and meet other people and, and you know, just 
I don't know, delve into that world, the other side of it. So obviously yeah. on that programme, you did loads of different, you worked with um, Helen Skelton, who was the other presenter on it as well. What yeah. was it like, you know, working alongside, you know, someone that was actually a professional, not saying that you're not a professional presenter, mm. but someone that, you know, started off in that world as a, you know, as, as a main presenter. Um, what was that like? Did you adjust, um, you know, into that world quite easily? Did you find that quite a challenge? How, how was the actual presenting itself? It was very, very challenging. Um, the very, I remember the very first episode scared me to death. Mm. I, I, I didn't want to do it. It was in Croydon. And on my way there, I remember thinking to myself, I want the uh, destination to get further and further away. I was just almost sick with nerves. And then when I arrived, um, I don't know how many people were in the front garden, but it seemed like loads, probably 20, but there probably wasn't. It's probably only about a dozen. Yeah. But, you know, there's catering, catering tent, and there was a skip, there was plants. Um, there was a couple of guys testing out the drone because the aerial shots are done yeah. with that. And I thought, oh no, you know, what have I let myself in for? And, and, and these sort of media types just walking around, you know, on walkie talkies, looking all stressy. Oh, God. And um, there was a guy called AJ, who's my, you probably know, he, I don't know if you remember him from the show. Yeah. He's my DIY man. Mm. He was leaning, on a skip, leaning against Skip smoking a fag. And he cracked a joke and made me laugh. And then I just knew everything was going to be all right from then on in. But um, when uh, we filmed that first episode, I remember do, I, I was struggling with it a bit. Mm. And because um, it was kind of loosely scripted, it was scripted. Mm. And I was having trouble remembering my words. <laughs> and, you know, I had, it, it was like this noise created because I had my series producer in one ear telling me what to do. Mm. Um, Kerry Richardson, who's absolutely gorgeous, absolutely lovely, telling yeah. me what to do. And I, Al, the director, telling me what to do. And I, and I felt that I was being pulled one way and then pulled the other way. <laughs> so it was like one big noise in my head, you know. Yeah, ah! yeah a bit too much. Information overload. It's too much, too much. And I'm the new kid on the block. You know, I've never done this before. Give mm. me a chance, please. But I can yeah. understand how they were feeling because they're under a lot of pressure to get the garden done. Yeah. And um, we've only got a day to do it, you see. Mm. And if I'm take, if I'm struggling to get things right, then that's time eat out of the day. Yeah. Um, but we got it done in the end, and it was fine. Um, but one of the things I did do was speak up that evening, and we had a discussion, and um, we decide they decided to change things around to suit me, and that's the best thing they could have done. So what they did was they brought AJ into it more because oh, he's right, like my yeah. mate. Yeah, so I had yeah. someone to bounce off. So mm. it was like I was doing my normal day job with my guys. Yeah. And we're just enjoying it and having a laugh and a joke while we're building the garden. That's so amazing. I, I, and that's a nice, to... that's nice actually, because it's more natural as well. You get yeah, to see it felt you. more as... natural. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't one for reciting words. It just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel me. And, you know, I, I, I kind of feel rigid. Mm. But when I can be myself, it's a lot easier. 
that's it and then I think people can get to know you as well and see your character your passion Mm. obviously with the gardening thing and designing these gardens things like that and then we can feel like a sense of connection with you I think sometimes when things are a bit too scripted sometimes you can notice it and it does feel slightly awkward and a bit sort of you know not that you don't get that sort of connection um and I think not you know with those programs you know we're all like you know we want to see what the end's going to look like and how the you know what this garden's going to be and the reaction of the person and so on um but to also build up the relationship with the you know the presenter as well the professional that's actually doing this and designing it to sort of connect with them as well so you're going on the journey as well as the person mm. whose garden you're doing up. Did you have a particular favourite um, um, garden that you worked on for that series? Yeah, I did. It was the um, a, a garden we did, where was it now? Was it Manchester? I think it was, Man- it was Manchester. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. And it was a Doctor Who garden. Ah, uh, yeah. And it was for a lady who's a game. Did you see it? I did. I saw it, some clips of this, yeah. Yeah, she's a gamester. And, yeah. I, and I remember walking through a property and, and she's just mad on Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something else, I can't remember what else it was. And anyway, I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to do with this garden? Mm. You know, how, how am I going to... Anyway, what I did was project her passion onto the garden. Amazing. Onto her space. Yeah. That's what I did. So I did some, like, for example, I painted the um, shed TARDIS blue. Yeah, yeah, and I created these create uh, concentric circles in yeah. her lawn mm. using turf and and sh- I wasn't shingle aggregate. What aggregate was it? Slate. That's mm. right. So I created so so they represented the um, the universe. Yeah. So these concentric circles represented the, yeah, represented yeah, the yeah. universe. I taint, I painted part of a patio. I painted a strip of a patio, Tardis blue. So that's the landing spot if um, <laughs> George, whoever came to visit her. Yeah. Um, and I was I put a tree fern in the gu- in the garden mm. with it. I don't know if you know tree ferns. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know when their fronds come out, they look like gorilla's knuckles. Yeah, and they just sort of open, they float. Yeah. That's right. There's a prehistoric look to them yeah. with their trunk because their mm. trunk is out the ground yeah. and it's kind of all kind of, I don't know, furry or whatever. Yeah. And um, that represented a monster. So she'd have to avoid that <laughs> yeah. on her way to a portal, which AJ built, mm. which is if when you walk through it, you go into another dimension. So AJ built this portal, just it was like a hexagonal thing, which yeah. built fence posts, which we kind of stuck in the middle of one of the concentric circles. That's so amazing. It was, it was that it was that kind of thing. So yeah. So you're yeah, you're taking the, you know, the 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 owner's um you know, inspirations and, you know, hobbies, mm. interests, that sort of thing, and incorporating that into her garden, you know, her garden yeah. and, uh, you know, translating it that way. So it's amazing. How yeah. long do you get to design each garden before an episode is obviously recorded? Not very long. I mean, one of the gardens I designed on the train on the way to the, um, on the way to location. Oh, wow. Quick. Well, well, when I say that, I mean, we didn't actually. So what we would do, we would do a recce, what they call a recce. So go and visit the garden. Yeah. um, And then um, design it and then um, go and build it. Hmm. 
all right, and film it, etc. So what would what I think on one of the episodes, I visited it, visited the garden, mm. and after doing that, I was designing it on the train before I went to do build another garden which was being filmed. Oh my goodness! Because we didn't have to, I, there was no time because I think we were coming back to build film that garden that I just wrecked. Oh my goodness, you know, it's very fast-paced it, it, then. It was very fast-paced. I mean, we did 10 gardens in a period of about, I think it was, how many weeks was it? It was about six weeks, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, we, so we, you've got to I work think quick, we, think quick. Yeah, in, in one week, we built three gardens in one week. Oh my God. You know, it, it was crazy, bonkers, but it was great. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah, I suppose that's quite a challenge as well, because, you know, in the normal world, so to speak, um, you get, you know, a, a larger time scale, I'd, I'd imagine, to be oh, able to definitely. sit down, design it and then mm. work out what plants are going to go there, what particular structures you're going to, you know, build or whatever. But to do yeah. 10 in about six weeks, that's astonishing. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, you're, you, you're pushed to your limit and there's a lot of pressure because not only have you got to build the garden in a day, mm. you're also worrying about how the audience is going to perceive that garden once it's been done. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of squeaky bum time until the actual show yeah. goes out and uh, people witness your work. Yeah. Because <clears throat> the gardens are really all virtually all me, you know. I mean, I, I do have people to lean on. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, you know, I could design the garden. They could say to me, Paul, that's going to exceed the budget. Could you cut down a bit, please? We can't do that or do this. How yeah. about doing this? So that would happen. But mm. generally, the gardens were mine. You know, I, they were my ideas. Oh, that's amazing. Gosh, to be able to do something as quick as that, you know, such a quick turnaround. Um, I was going to say, you've obviously, so you went to do the Instant Gardener and did your sort of first presenting job in that. And then you've also presented um, slots on um, RHS uh, Chelsea Flower Show as well. Yeah. Which, that's an incredible achievement. I mean, the Chelsea Flower Show, that's amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, I'm really honoured to have done that. Yeah, what was that like? Because I was going to say, you know, that's got to be one of your career highlights. Do you have, what would you say your career highlights are? Would you say the Royal Chelsea, well, well, the Chelsea well, Flower Show was one well, of them? Definitely the Instant Gardener hmm. is um, a career highlight. Um, I would say most of the stuff that I've done gardening-wise, yeah, Chelsea Flower Show was fantastic, Tatton Park, I presented yeah. there, that was great. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, career highlights. I mean, I've enjoyed being on Celebrity Money for Nothing, Celebrity Eggheads. I saw they're, they're the Eggheads. All... Oh, <laughs> How did that come about? God, you're, you're, you, you know, you're great at designing gardenings, but you're also, you know, quite intelligent as well. <laughs> I don't know if I'm intelligent. No, no, no. You, you didn't see, um, you didn't see me on Mastermind. I wasn't very bright on that. <laughs> you were on Mastermind. What was your, um, what was your um, speciality subject? Uh, Gary Sobers, who is a childhood hero of mine. He's a cricketer. Oh right. Um, yeah, probably one of the greatest cricketers that ever lived. Oh, and he cool. was my yeah yeah I, I love it so that was um, my special which I didn't do too badly on to be fair yeah, yeah. but I, I, I flunked the general knowledge it's hard <laughs> the general yeah. knowledge well I, I, I should have I got 11 points in the end but I think I, I could have got about 15 because I didn't know the answers but I couldn't recall them and then I you're trying just... to recall that answer mm. and then John Humphreys is firing the next question at you <laughs> which you don't hear and you just go oh I didn't hear that one oh pass <laughs> <laughs> 
thing at home with any sort of game show because I really like Mastermind and Pointless yeah. and that sort of stuff. I play them at home and I'm like, yeah, I'm really good. I'm getting all these answers. And then I can imagine being under that spotlight and suddenly the pressure and all eyes are on you. That you know, it's quite. It must be quite nerve wracking. And then you it's know, you're, you're allowed to get a few wrong or, or miss them or not hear them because there's a lot yeah. of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and I, I, I think it's probably one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever done. Yeah. And you know, you have the slabs that sit in a row, four slabs yeah. on that yeah. seat, and then you've got the the chair, yeah. which is only about well, I don't know six seven meters away, mm. not very far. Yeah. And your legs are like lead as you're walking towards it you know your, your feet are like lead you pick yeah. it up it's it's um it, that that distance of six seven eight meters feels like 60 70 80 meters oh god you know, I imagine yeah yeah it's um <laughs> when you sit down and it is literally like an interrogation because you know the lights are on you and there's john yeah. humphreys who I know, yeah. and he's pretty speedy with the questions as well. Speedy with it, yeah, and he looks intimidating. Although yeah. he's a lovely guy, but he looks intimidating. He's yeah. That's amazing. Which adds to the, um, adds to it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I was glad to get through that. I, I actually turned that down at first, didn't want to do it. Really? Yeah, what, yeah, just yeah, because it's a quite a daunting thing to do? Yeah, yeah, and I, I went into, I had a meeting at the BBC, and uh, the exec there, one of the execs, she was looking over her glasses at me like this and saying, <laughs> oh, I understand you turned down a Celebrity Mastermind. I said, yeah. She said, why is that? And I said, because it scares me to death. Yeah. She said, don't worry about that. She said, the audience are on your side and £3,000 goes towards a charity of your choice. Oh, brilliant. So I thought, yeah. well, I changed my mind on base that. So what if I make an idiot of myself? You know, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's going to be worth it in the end. And uh, yeah. I donated the money to the Marcus Rutherford Foundation. Oh, brilliant. You know, um, yeah. a, a charity that's uh, close to my heart. Oh, that's really good. So, hey, it was worth it in the end. Bit of fun, it, yeah. good charity, win-win situation, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's amazing. So you've had quite, so you've done quite a bit now on TV. So there's quite a few sort of career highlights there. Um, there are, but, but one of the big highlights is to come, but I can't tell you about it, unfortunately. Oh, I was going to say something. Uh, yeah. Can I, I don't know if I can mention it now, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, um, yeah. and you can tell me otherwise. <laughs> okay. um, I heard that you're now in the, you've been approached to, um, uh, commission a new memorial garden, I believe, for oh, the yeah, yeah. Gloucester Royal Hospital, yeah, that's which fine. then that, once that completed nice. will be opened by Prince Charles. How yes, on earth so. did that come about? So. That's the aim. Um, I was just contacted. It was through my TV, through, through my profile, really. Yeah, yeah. I was just contacted and asked if I'd do it. And um, I'm in the process of designing it now as we speak. I was going to ask uh, you, yeah, have you started jotting down design ideas? Into yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I want to do already. I've just got to put it down on paper. Um, I've got a team of people who are helping me on it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in the process. And I've also, also had a call last week to build a Commonwealth Memorial Garden in Woolwich. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so I'll be doing that as well. So, um, so you've got I've lots had, coming up. There's lots coming up. I've got more TV work coming up. So it's all... Good and rosy at the moment. Tickety boo. And there say. is a possibility, <laughs> there's a strong possibility I could be doing Chelsea next year. 
<gasps> through Ooh. a company I'm a director of, Grow to Know. Yeah. Um, and I'm with this fantastic guy called Tajan Hayden Smith, mm. um, who's in his early early 20s, about 24, mid 20s, he's 24. Yeah. And this guy is so passionate about gardening, you wouldn't believe. I'm his mentor, if you like. Oh, and I got introduced to him through the Royal Kensington and Chelsea Borough Council. Oh, and the yes. reason they did that is because Tajan witnessed the fire, the Grenfell fire. Oh. And he turned to horticulture as a way of coping. Incredible. He instinctively turned to horticulture. So what would happen? He just find you just did some guerrilla gardening basically with a pair of old rusty shears or whatever. Yeah. And um he started this charity called um, Olive Branch, a way to access um, equipment so he could do up these spaces. Oh. And it was right about that time, three years ago, that I got introduced to him. And now we're in a position now where we formed, or he's formed this company called Grow to Know. Yeah. Um, and we've now got TV interest because they're interested in following our uh, development yeah and basically um yeah is grow to know is really to empower um well to make gardening um more diverse whether yeah. it's young old whatever race you are to make it more inclusive because yeah. when you watch gardening on tv you get the impression there's only one kind of person that does that sort of thing yeah, yeah let's say yeah. it's very comes across as being very white and middle class middle class yeah, we want, yeah. To break, we want to break down those barriers and when you think that um where that fire happened mm. is not far from where the likes of simon cowell and david beckham live on the other side of the yes track. yeah you I see know. What I mean? and that's mm. where the chelsea flower show is yes so grow to know once the bridge that gap mm. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, I, I was actually, when I was at Chelsea in 2016, I remember walking around the showground on the RHS day, which is the mm. day, two days after the press day, there are two RHS mm. days. And I remember walking around and um, I didn't see one other diverse person there, whether it was Indian, Chinese, Black, not one other. I was the only one there. And I remember phoning my sister and I said to her, the only black face I've seen here today is on the model of some black lambs, on some model black lambs which have been sold in one of the tents. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That was the only black face I saw. I was just being tongue-in-cheek and trying mm. to be funny. Yeah, but that yeah. was, they were the only face. It was literally just very white and middle class, um, which is very interesting. So yeah. there's, something, there's something keeping um, the more diverse population away. Yeah, and that goes back to you know your your you know your title, the Black Gardener, Black Gardener and why absolutely. that production company obviously okay. wanted someone a bit different, a bit diverse, you know, someone yeah. that, a little bit against the grain, if you like. I don't know yeah. so that can bring that out. Up, bring that out, freshen it up, and, and make it. Yeah. To show people that gardening, which it is, is there for everybody, but it's mm. perpetuated. I think this um, is perpetuated by the RHS mm. um, TV that, I mean, when you watch 
gardeners well for example mm. you know there's monty don in his fancy garden mm. with jewel garden mm. a pond topiary i know how much the topiary he's got costs mm. you know there's one episode he went he went into his um shed and he had about 20 gleaming falco succoteurs you know which i know how much they cost they're, yeah they, they're, they're not the ordinary person wouldn't be able to afford them well, that's the thing, and I think with this new um, idea as well, it's it's to obviously make it more accessible for everyone yeah. else, to make it more of an affordable thing. The fact that it can be inclusive for everyone, you know, it doesn't have mm. to be that sort of middle class white, you know, person, yeah. as you say. It can be for and, the younger, think, whatever it is. Exactly, and I think there are people out there who think they have to know all the Latin names to be a gardener. Mm -hmm. They think it's too complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's made out to be this mystical science, which it isn't. You don't need to know the Latin names. No. You really don't. I, I don't really need to know the Latin names, and I'm a professional. Yeah. I can get by without knowing the, the names. Yeah. You know, if you can read the label on the plant when it comes, the chances are you'll have success with it. Because it'll tell you what it needs, where to yeah. plant it and what it needs. Just do that and just keep an eye on it. Because green, being green-fingered is about observation. That plant will tell you what it wants. Yeah. If it's yeah. drooping, it's like a, if we droop, what do we need? We need a drink or we need feeding. Yeah. Same with a plant. Just yeah. keep an eye on it. Observe it. And yeah. then you'll be absolutely fine. That's it. I think, you know... I think there are tons of young people out there that are interested in gardens of all sort of ethnic backgrounds and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I yeah. think because there isn't that platform maybe out there for them, that maybe, mm. yeah, maybe it's something that others sort of do shy away from because they can't sort of venture into that world because they maybe don't feel that connection yeah, because it's not representing them. If that well, makes this sense. is what Tate and Hayden Smith said to me. Mm. He said that when he saw me on TV, he felt he had a connection. He had someone to look up to in mm. that world. Yeah. Because when he was doing the gorilla gardening, he kind of felt that he didn't belong there. He shouldn't have been doing that. Oh. Yeah, because he felt that it wasn't because he's he's from an uh, um, you know he's from a diverse background. Mm. Yeah. And um, he he kind of felt a bit uncomfortable. But then when he saw me, he thought, you yeah, know, no, no, I can do this. This is absolutely fine. And that's what you need. You need those role models yes. that people can follow. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it looks yeah. like he's going to end up being one of those role models as well. He will to be. encourage, he will be. you know, He, he will people. be one of those role models. I mean, he's already got an agent. And he hasn't even been on TV. <laughs> so he, he, he's, he, anyone might be saying this, he's like mm. 24 going on 44. But mentally, <laughs> he doesn't look it. He still looks, you know, he looks good for his age. He, he's very fit and all the rest of it. He's got dreads. He looks great. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he he's very bright, very switched on, mm. and um, you know I'm his mentor, but I don't think he needs much of that to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, he sounds amazing. He is. He really he's amazing does. Amazing yeah. Guy. Oh, I look forward to hearing more about him and seeing his work, and yeah, yeah. Hopefully, so he'll be the, able to flourish our screens. Yeah. So we're hoping to do a Chelsea Garden next year under Grow to Know. So be that's amazing. the plan. Um, so we're in the early stages. We're looking for sponsorship. Mm um we don't think we'll have any problems getting that i mean we've um grow to know has already managed to attract quite considerable funds into the kitty mm. um to do up these spaces yeah and yeah our next big step is um chelsea garden next year and the following year amazing so we're just getting that going now 
Yeah. Although we've technically missed the deadline, they're going to make a special case for us to squeeze oh, it in, which is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, look out for us next year at uh, I Chelsea. can't wait. I'm excited. I like, yeah, it's so, oh, that's going to be really exciting. And it's something to, yeah. for you to look forward to and to, to, you know, to bring this younger, you know, guy that's into gardening, into this mm. world, to be able to showcase his work as well. Absolutely. So it's, uh, Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. The world will be impressed by Tajian, that's for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to see his work. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's going to be great. Nice collaboration as well. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Although, you know, I'm old enough to be his dad or his granddad even. It <laughs> <laughs> um, feels that there's no years between us. You know, we're, we're the best of mates. Yeah. And that's um, lovely. That's yeah, really nice. And we're, you know, we're always in touch and ideas and you know where we're going to go next and mm. in fact he's so full of ideas i can't keep up with him sometimes <laughs> i have to ask him to slow down <laughs> yeah oh that's good that shows the passion and the drive mm. and he obviously has that energy for that you know yeah. for, for, for that sort of stuff so that's more for more to him that's amazing Absolutely. um i was going to ask you um what tips and advice would you give a newbie so someone that's perhaps got their own garden, it's a blank canvas, they want to get into it, but they don't know where to start. What would your words of advice be? Any I tips? would say, if you want to change your garden, don't go for it hell for leather. Just okay. do tiny little things, like change the shape of your lawn. Just doing that can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, give it a neat edge. Um, I don't know, just jet wash your patio if you've got one. If you haven't got one, you can easily build one. If you haven't got the money, if you haven't got much money, you can do one that's cost effective mm. by, I don't know, using shingle or something. Yeah. Um, and, and just to over a period of time, don't rush into it because Rome wasn't built until today. It's a gradual process, but put it down on paper. Put your, put your um, shopping list, if you like. Mm. So you want a patio, you want a shed, you want a lawn, you want some plants, just put that down on a shopping list mm. and maybe just draw, do a rough drawing of how you envisage the garden to look. Mm. Just project, yeah. just visualize it, just mm. project yourself and then just go from there. Yeah. But it can change as you do it. Don't, it's, not, it's not set in stone. Nothing is set in stone when it comes to gardens. I mean, I quite often, I mean, the garden I'm building at the moment for someone, um, they agree with the design mm. and the garden's going to look nothing like the original design because once we're there I'm always suggesting things change it around yeah how about this how about that mm. how about if we bring this so doing that over there how about if we do this here that kind of mm. thing yeah and yeah. with the client's agreement and and now the garden is completely different to yeah. what the original visualization is but it doesn't matter as mm. long as the client's happy and you can just do the same just mm. a piece of paper just draw it out think it through don't rush it and then just gradually uh, change the space yeah. yeah just build it up as you go it's incredible because mm, go on and enjoy it that's the main thing enjoy it enjoy mm. being out there and doing it yeah. And, you know, if you're out there for 10 minutes and you think, oh, I don't fancy doing this for a while, go indoors and have a cup of coffee and sit down, watch a bit of telly and come out and do it again later. Don't rush into it. Mm. You know, build it over a period of weeks, 
months, years if necessary. That's that's a pleasure in doing it. Mm. I mean, people sometimes we give people a false perspective with what happens on TV because we build gardens in a day. Um, but we're and it's an instant garden. Yeah. But it's not really an instant garden. We're just giving people a start. Yeah. They then continue it on. So the instant garden garden was about empowering people. Yeah. We're saying, this is what you can do, sitting by jet washing your patio, painting your fence, changing the shape of your lawn, and putting a few plants here, there, and everywhere. You can do this with a few simple design tricks. Yeah. And that's why this is going to be cost effective for you. Don't yeah. you don't need to employ someone like me. You can if you want. If you've got the money, then fine. But mm. if you haven't, you can still have the same effect by following these simple um, ideas. Amazing. Good words, good advice and good tips there. Because my other half is really into gardening. You know, yeah. we've got two young kids. So finding the time to be able to go out there. But once, you know, <laughs> you know, you get even if it's just 10 minutes to go out and cut the lawn or research some new flowers yeah. and, and plants and all that sort of stuff. You know, he finds it very therapeutic, really relaxing, mm. sort of calms him down. And I think because he's like you, he's very much um, at one with nature, loves being outdoors yeah. amongst, you know, the birds, the bees and all the lovely trees and all that sort of stuff. And it's yeah. um, it's lovely. It's definitely um, an activity to sort of, you know, quieten your mind, but also open it up to explore, you know, this outdoor world that we live in. Yeah, um, I think it's great. Yeah, it's it's great. just, it's it's just finding that starting point, I think, for some people that might find yeah, it a bit difficult. Like, where do I start? But you've given some good there. tips. Yeah, just get out there. That's that's yeah. the best thing. Just get out there, and that that's your starting point. Walking through mm. the back door. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. You, and, and the way I see, if you can dig a hole, you can garden. Yeah, <laughs> I can't <laughs> dig a hole though. It's quite hard work. <laughs> it's hard work. We can do it though. It's hard work. We can do yeah. it. But that's yeah, a pleasure. That's a pleasure because it is hard work. If it was easy, then it wouldn't be fun, would it? Yeah. You get, you're getting some out of it. You get an exercise. You don't oh, need to absolutely. Go, it's great exercise. Need, it is. It's, you know, you're, you're bending, you're stretching, mm. you're lifting. Yeah, um, yeah. What can be better? And it's, it's an all-round exercise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're out, and in, you're fresh out in fresh air. Exactly. And it's a very social activity. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, gardeners actually tend to be nice people. And I think it's because they're caring and nurturing plants. And if you're a care and nurturer, then by definition, you're going to be all right as a person. I yeah, it's in your character then, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's lovely. You certainly seem that way. And you're a gardener, so it makes sense. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> oh, what a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much, Danny, for coming on and sharing you're your stories. Welcome. I'm so looking forward to seeing all your work that you've got coming up. Sounds like you've got loads of new adventures to come. Um, yeah, so I'm yeah. excited to see what's next for you. Um, but that's amazing. Thank you so much once again. It's been lovely You're talking welcome. with you. Thank you to today's guest. That was Danny Clark. You can find out more about his gardening work online and on his social media pages, including Instagram. You have been listening to The Beat Society, written, produced and edited by Kim Lewis.